Welcome to Sharon Feelings. My name is Chris Sharon. Hey friends, today I have two very special guests joining me. They are the creators of their own podcast called The Glass Half Fools. Please welcome Mr. Joe Burton and Mr. Keaton Schmidt. The three of us met a few years ago under not-so-ideal professional circumstances, and unfortunately, we didn't get to know each other that well. But when I found out they started their own podcasting adventure, I knew I had to listen and instantly became a fan. And quite magically, it brought us so much closer together. And in this episode, we attempt to understand the dueling nature of one's ego and one's self-care. Joe and Keaton walk me through the origin of their podcast idea, how conversing about positivity has ultimately held them accountable to find it themselves. We discover so much about how far we've come as dreamers and doers, and although we agree not everything happens for a reason, good things certainly do. And people that display positivity are attracting those good things by intention, not by luck. Enjoy. Yeah, I was, I don't know what, my computer's from like 2010, so that pretty much sums that up. And I, and I bought it refurbished, so <laughs> who knows how old it actually is. I, uh, I just sold my like 2010 laptop to my mom. <laughs> nice. That's a win right there. I was actually recently reflecting on this, and maybe you guys can weigh in, like, I've always been so, like, I don't know what the word is, against, I guess, like, adverse to, like, self-help, like, books and, like, you know, I never wanted it to be, like, here's how to live a better life, you know what I mean? Like, a a how-to, you know what I mean? But then I realized, like, if my ultimate goal is to help people, (laughs) then kind of what I'm doing is self, like, it is self-help. I just need to reframe, you know? I think it's interesting. I actually spoke to my dad about this one time as well, about that whole concept of self-help, because you're right. Often if you label it as self-help, for someone to want to receive self-help, whether it's through a book, a podcast, or whatever form of media it's going to be, for them to want to accept that, they have to accept that there's something wrong. Or not necessarily something wrong, but that they need self-help or they they want self-help. And that for some strange reason in the human mind, is an ego blast. Mm. It's like a punch in the gut for so many people's ego to say, like, actually, no, I could improve on this. You know what I mean? It's not even saying that something's wrong. It's just saying that I have something to improve on. But so many people get a punch in the gut in their ego if they accept that, which means if you don't label it as self-help and you just, in a roundabout way, are self-helping them without telling them you're self-helping them you're more likely to get through to a lot of people you know yeah for sure that, yeah. that's the goal it's like the whole like the first step is admitting you have a problem mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily like you said it's not necessarily a problem but I think ego trip people are like it is a problem and, yeah and if I admit that then everyone knows yeah that I have a problem but yeah I think that's a I mean being a man I think too is you know, you grow up in a world that, like, doesn't support or encourage reaching out for help. I think that's, like, across the board, but I think that's something about being a, a guy that it's just not encouraged. And I think that, like, you're right, it builds a sense of ego. I, I, I'm trying to move closer towards this understanding of, like, not having an ego. Because I think a lot of the trouble that I run into, like, 
when my thoughts get the better of me, it's really just about like my perception and it's really just about like, am I good enough? Whatever that means. You know what I mean? And I'm like, the doubt it's, that it's I have. It's very tough to silence your ego. It really is. Yeah. No matter what the circumstance, everyone has an ego. It's just whether you can keep it in check or under control or whatever, however you want to phrase that. But it definitely is something that's difficult most of the issues that most people run into, you know, it's not just you, Chris, like most people in general run into that sort of issue. And I agree. I think, unfortunately, men do have a bigger issue with it because of that sense of uh, what was the, I forget the phrase that we used when you were on with us before of like, I have a pedestal that I'm supposed to be on for some reason. And that pedestal doesn't allow me to have these feelings, these emotions, this care about more than just masculine things which is a weird concept you know yeah yeah 100% and I was just doing some more research on just how society views women you know on the converse side of of everything we're talking about like you know in the same sort of breath we've built this pedestal up for women that they have to behave a certain way and that they have to sort it's really that if they choose to showcase themselves in a different way we're we're so accustomed to having opinions about that and yeah. and usually it, it revolves around their sexuality or just like, you know, how they want to express themselves. And we've established a culture around, you know, having opinions on that in a similar way that we have with men who are super vulnerable and who are uh, in touch with how they feel. And I think that like where the ego comes in is our response to this society that we've grown up in and, and trying to fall in line with with how we're supposed to feel and how we're supposed to behave. And yeah, this time right now where we've been able to just like pause and break from reality, I don't know, I hope we can continue this progression because I just feel like in our industry too, there's such an expectation to be a certain way or fit into a certain box. It's interesting. It makes me think, especially, you know, the conversation of, of one's own ego I think people, especially men, kind of jump into this idea of being kind of combed into this society that we have been growing up in it and keeping our emotions in check and not being in touch with our emotions and uh, letting our ego get the best of us. It, it's made me think of, I, I've kind of been offhand getting into uh, stoicism if you know what that means uh, like ancient philosophers of Greek times um, and there's a podcast that I listen to it's like it's interesting because one that I listened to literally yesterday was all about the acceptable use of anger basically allowing yourself the vulnerability to use anger in a positive way basically they get into the idea that you know it, you're allowed to be angry about things you're allowed to feel to get emotional about certain situations when your ego comes into check but it's it's the use of it in the manner that you can keep it under wraps the example that they use is a basketball coach taking a technical foul so using the anger of getting that technical foul, getting sent to the locker room by the refs, literally turning to your assistant coach like, you're going to have to coach the rest of this game. I'm taking the technical. It changes the pace of the game. It changes the thought of the players that the coach took this kind of 
this down, this fall, and this mark on their record. It's an interesting thought of how we can use our response to our ego in a positive light, in a positive way. It's all about keeping your anger in check, so to speak. I think a lot of people get more angry about their ego. Yeah, um, it's like a defense mechanism. You know, it if, is. If, if your ego, if internally your ego feels like it's hurt or it's been knocked down a peg or anything like that, then the, the response is to get angry to try and bring it back up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, as, as a man, I think honestly that comes back to a, a primal level. You know what I mean? If you go way back to caveman society, that was the society. It was the men are angry, are going to hit things and kill things and bring food. And that was that was how you were programmed as a caveman. You know what I mean? It's, now, like, we're a long way from that. But it's still in your innate programming that that should be an automatic response. Now, I don't think it should be, but your brain still on a, on a subconscious level going to want to respond that way. So you almost have to a, reprogram it and catch it as it's happening and go, well, I don't need to do that. I, you know what I mean? There's no reason for I, that. I'm not caveman anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think it gets into like the survival of the fittest kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, Fight or like, flight, survival the, of the fittest. Yeah, it's all primal absolutely. level. Yeah, so that primal instinct that as humans we were once programmed with, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, for example, like I've been doing a lot of housework and stuff here and admittedly, I am not as knowledgeable about things housework-wise, home improvement-wise, that my dad is, that my brother is. And there's been a couple of things that have really frustrated me about trying to get done for my fiancé, for our house, you know, that I I initially, I let my ego kind of get into go and check, and, and I get frustrated with myself, I get upset, but then... I think about it now, it's just like, I I have a lot to learn, you know? I still have lots that I can improve upon, and I may have failed today, but I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to get the research down. I'm going to make sure that I hang this mirror up straight. (laughs) But you know what? I think the reward of when you have that mindset and you can accept that maybe you aren't great at certain things, but you're going to figure it out, you're going to work it, you're going to get it done either way. When you do get it done that reward feeling of like accomplishment is multiplied in my opinion so intensely because it is something that you've had to work at so you're reaping the rewards more so you know Mm -hmm. wow beautiful metaphor that's happening right now i mean i i feel you so hard on the uh, you know housework apartment work kind of thing like Wow, how angry I could get just because I can't like hang something straight or like what what really gets me down in my deepest anxieties is like when I'm trying to put in like a like a drywall anchor before the screw. Yes. I mean, it's game over. Like if you mess that up, it's game over. Like not only do you not have another anchor to put in, but you know, the wall, yeah. the whole structure is, is, oh my gosh, so many. But the yeah. beautiful thing is, you know, you just move it over a little bit, hang it, nobody can see. It's like, I can't wait yeah, to, like, yeah. move out of here one day and all the holes that didn't <laughs> <laughs> hang something show finally. Oh my Literally, gosh. All the holes that are in the wall behind our bathroom mirror right now is <laughs> insane. But I keep telling myself, like, 
we're still going to wallpaper in here. We're still yeah. going to wallpaper. It'll get covered. It's going to be fine. We just needed a mirror for the time being. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you guys are spot on. I think that if only we could somehow normalize, like, this work, like, being okay with not knowing. Like on yes, on a philosophical that is level, such but a big statement. yeah, but on like a literal level too. It's like I've never done housework before. I'm yeah, not. That's okay. It's okay. It's like it's, I'm yeah. not a magical person. Like I can't. You know, it takes time. There's to, plenty to, of things that you have done that other people can't do, and there's no reason that one should be more manly, less manly, higher on a pedestal, lower on a pedestal. There's no reason for any of that. Yes, yes. There was something when I was younger. I remember growing up. There was a, a term, a, a phrase that was used, um, and I don't even know if it's still used i haven't heard the word in a very long time but it's metrosexual and i've heard yeah so basically at the age of like going through basically what would be middle school for you guys like that kind of age and like the beginning of high school age i remember either being called metrosexual or saying myself that i was metrosexual but the reason that i think i said it and this this was back i think when like, those insecurities were there was because i liked self-care like I wanted to like wash my face I know that sounds so simple but like because I wanted to wash my face some reason I was less manly but at that age and back in those days instead of it being less manly it was you're gay right you know what I mean which was I look back on it now and it's such a strange concept I do face masks every other night like I don't care I enjoy taking care of my face I enjoy having clean skin like that should not be a either gender (laughs) kind of thing you know but metrosexual to me was I was the reason I think I called myself metrosexual back then was because well I'm not gay I just care about these things do you know what I mean I think it was a defense thing for me because I didn't I I wasn't gay but people thought I was because I did these things and at that age I was like wait I'm not no I'm not gay I just want to wash my face how is that gay you know what I mean that was such a weird concept for me to get into my head and now I mean I, like I said I haven't heard that phrase in a while but it just sparked me to think of it when you were talking about those sort of things and we can apply this to the uh, any kind of equality whether it's racial gender sexuality any of them for me ultimately I don't want that to be a label I don't think we should continue to segregate any of these things however I believe we need to right now to form the equality the overall goal is for you not to need to tell me if you're gay or straight for me to not need to know if you're x or y it shouldn't matter but it needs to right now because there isn't an equality Mm. you know do you see where i'm going with it yeah it's really it's really interesting because i've been doing a lot of reflection on this as well and i think you know I think how we got here, at least my my best understanding as it is today, how we sort of got here, specifically in the U.S., we put a label on everything. And I think what we did is we categorized everything and we assigned value to it. So if you were in this category, you had higher value than if you were in this category. And over time, that just became more and more complex and advanced. And that's why something like metrosexual worked its way into our vocabulary. It's an absolutely ridiculous thing. But it is essentially that. It's like, I don't know how to label you anymore because you're not showing me what a perfect straight person does or what a perfect gay person does. And it's like, so I'll just throw this on you. But it's totally derogatory because it's essentially saying, like, the things that you do or the clothes that you wear or whatever you are, it, like, makes you seem gay. But I know you're not gay. But, like, also what you're saying, Joe, I, I agree with. It's like, well... 
fuck you if I am gay today or not. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just like, I just think that like, you're right. What it is is, and this sort of, I think goes back to like how the ego is sort of manipulated over, over oh, time. It's like, yeah. there is no dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? I think like, I don't know, you know, I speak only for, yeah, I can speak only for my own experiences. Of course, I don't know, you know, what it's like growing up black in America. You know what I mean? But like, I think really what the problem is, is that we have assigned value to human life. And if you check a certain number of boxes, you have a better life. You have X amount of value. Yeah, you have X amount of value. my, My favorite thing that went around, that has been going around since the Black Lives Matter movement has made a, a real statement lately, was the uh, there was like a, a I say meme because I don't I don't know a different word for it a picture that was going around of uh, a fireman at someone's house that was on fire, and the neighbor came out and said, "Wait, aren't you going to help my house?" And they're like, "Well, no, this person's house is on fire," and he's like, "Right, but mine could be on fire." Yeah, but it's not, so I'm not going to help you when you don't need help. And I think it comes down, and this is a very difficult topic, but it's the difference between being fair and equal. There's a big difference in those in a lot of things. There's a difference between equality and equity. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, but it's that's the same it. sort of thing of like, for us to be equal, that doesn't always mean that that's fair. Do you know what I mean? Because right now, it's not okay for us to be equal because you're saying that equal is this. You know, one is above the other. That's not equal. That's you treating us both the same, but we don't require the same treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a very foreign concept to a lot of people, and it's difficult for people to wrap their head around. And I think it's difficult because their ego steps in to bring full circle again. Their ego steps in and, and doesn't want to miss out on something or doesn't want to be seen as lower, but... It, that you know what I mean? It's yes. so, it baffles me. My brain. I struggle to put it into words because it doesn't make sense in my brain. Totally, it's you it's know? a confusing structure because the system that we're in it has established this understanding that like if you have more, then I have less. Like, and if I give you some yes. of what I have, then I now have less. And if I have less, then then I am lower. I'm inferior. I'm inferior. Yes. Yeah. And and what it really needs to turn into is more of a a shared pool, you know, of abundance. And like, in addition to creating opportunities, I think for people, especially people of color yes. and, and underrepresented communities, I think it's just creating opportunities really to allow those people to bloom. But I think like what you're saying too is is true. It's like. We need to know, like we need to, we need to just educate ourselves because I know for myself, like there are a lot of things, a lot of terms, especially around like sexual orientation and gender identity and stuff, just a lot of like verbiage and vocabulary and data out there that like I've been privileged enough to just, you know, wash over me. It doesn't, it's never really affected my life. And I think that's the problem, especially in America right now. So many people have gone their whole lives unaffected. That they're like, well, what what do you you mean I got it? Yeah, you know? The the privilege, and it's one thing to have privilege, but the good thing is that when you acknowledge that you have the privilege, I think you're in a much better set of shoes than just having the privilege. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for three white males, we do have a lot of privilege. No matter where you're from, what you're doing, we, we are born into a certain level of privilege. And we're very fortunate to have that. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I I don't think it's a bad thing because 
if you choose to do the right thing with that privilege, it can be extremely useful. And you can, like you said, instead of having it, I have more, you have less, we can share that and use that privilege to bring other people up. You know? This, I've been just following along and I feel like I've, like, attached webs to other things that we've already previously said. Like this, talking about us being three white, straight males and having a certain level of privilege that we have, you know, we could all allow conversations like this to trigger our ego as well, you know? There's a certain certain way that a white, straight male needs to be. And it's interesting, too, like, talking back on, on labels and stuff, like, metrosexual is something that I remember hearing back when I was in high school, and it's interesting to think that we were afraid of being labeled one thing, so then we created another label that kept us from being that label. And and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because they sometimes correlate but don't. Like, you talk about sexual orientation or you talk about gender identity or uh, sexual preference or things like that. The reading that I've been doing the research that I've been trying to do specifically with uh, racial justice and things like that is all about being proud of of labels because I feel like growing up it used to just be a thing like you know if you were talking about someone it was like well you know he's black and people would say it you know under their breath try to you know maintain I don't want to offend anyone by talking about them being black but that is what he is and that should be not an issue you know what I mean you should be able to say like he's black and that's okay and I think you talk like sexual identity I think that speaks to the importance of normalizing pronouns more and more and more and more and I've been trying to do more research into that as well I've really been trying to focus more on social justice or racial justice and things like that at the moment but I've been trying to like talk to other people other friends and educate myself on pronouns and stuff you know it used to be a thing like we were younger the the whole labels and stuff and being concerned about being labeled and uh, you know I, they think I'm they might think I'm gay or things like that. And instead of being like, oh, he's gay or uh, he's bi or she's bi or he's this or that, you know, I can say he's Keaton, he's Joe, they are Brandon. Shout out to Brandon Wagner. I'm using your pronouns. They are Brandon, you know, and that's enough. Yeah. Why, why do we have to be so concerned about the way people are, the way they live their lives. It gets down to that. Yeah. So I have two things that I wanted to chime in with that. So the first one is I remember multiple times, and it sucks to have to say this, but some of these aren't even that long ago, where I have straight up called people out for saying, like if they're talking about, like, I don't know, uh, I don't remember if this was an example, but to use one, I was at a grocery store and this black guy did that. Like, and they, they go quieter when they say that word. Right. And I literally, I've called them out. And it's been family members or friends. And I say, why did you slow your voice down when you said that? Why did you get quieter when you said that? And they, they genuinely are in shock. Mm-hmm. A, because their ego gets a punch. But mm-hmm. B, because 
they I have, honestly don't even think that they know they're doing it sometimes. Mm. And I call it out and I'm like, there's no reason for that. There was, I remember, and I, I, this was maybe 10, 15 years ago also, maybe I don't say 10 years ago, roughly. I remember there was a, a time period where it wasn't politically correct to call someone their color, to, whether they were black, brown, whatever. It, you were supposed to say it was a colored person. And I remember as a child hearing that and being so confused at why I couldn't say the color of their skin. Why, do, why are we substituting the word for color? That sounds even worse to me. That sounds ridiculous. It sounds like we're avoiding so many things for, in my brain, no reason. It's an evolution of oppression is really what, you know, yes. colored and black and all that stuff is, I think, is just, it's a sophistication of oppression because it hasn't really dissolved or, or depleted no. in any way. It's just morphed. I and think we're heading in the right direction. Yeah. But we have to keep pushing. It's not something where acknowledging it is enough. We, we are getting to the point where a good portion of the population is acknowledging it. But it's, you know, we have to keep pushing in that direction. We can't just let that settle because it will, it will go back, unfortunately. Yep. To action, to um, action. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that, you know, we should start to work away towards these identifying qualities of people and more towards, you know, how do you make me feel? How do I make yes. you feel? When we're together, are we, you know, replenishing oh, each other as well? Right. You know, are we filling the glass half full? You know, <laughs> dropping it. Um, but truly, it's and and it and, and especially with men, it's a difficult thing because a lot of the times you're not going to find, you know, it's just not practiced where men are sitting around, you know, asking each other how they make each other feel. You know what I mean? Like it's it's mm-hmm. we're not recognizing those telltale signs when somebody just. Uh, doesn't belong in our life anymore or on the other side when we just we need that person and it's another issue is that we're afraid to reach out to people because we don't want to be a burden and so i have that come up quite quite frequently i would say enough to where i notice it quite often the whole i I love that you just brought that up being a burden to someone because I feel like a lot of my friends that I'm close with will have probably heard me say this before. I'll tell you if you're being a burden. If you're not, assume you're not. And that's difficult for someone to accept because they will think that they're a burden anyway. But anytime they say, I don't want to be a burden, you're not. I cut them off right away. You're not. I'll tell you if you are. Because I trust myself to be honest. If I can't handle what you're giving me, I will tell you. But if not, I'm here for you. Yep. And I'll take whatever you have to give me. I'll share the burden with you. If I can't, trust trust me that I will tell you. It's it's also a thing I say quite a lot is if I don't want to do it, I won't do it. You know what I mean? If someone's like, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. If you are, I will leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blunt thing. If, if I don't want to be here, I won't be here. So understand that if I've chosen to make time for you, if I've chosen to hang out with you, if I've chosen to put time aside for you, that's my choice. You didn't force me to do it. I think that kind of mindset allows you to cherish the time that you have with these certain people because you acknowledge that you both want to be there. You yep, know? yep. An interesting little nuance to all this as well is the complication that we've built between you know our interactions with people that it's afraid to. We're afraid to even trust somebody like you saying that. Like I know he's saying that, but. I'm a burden still. You know what I mean? And it's like, dang, we can't even like, there's like an evolution beyond honesty that we need to reach somehow where it's like, it's not enough to just tell your truth. It's like, 
okay, explain it to me for the next six years, and then I'll be on board with you. The simple thing to be able to acknowledge or accept, accept is a better word for it, that you did something wrong, is a huge thing that so many people don't have the right ego to do. I have an interesting thought that I want to see what you guys think about. I'm reading this book right now called, um, it's called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Uh, Keith, and I've mentioned this book to you before. Yeah. Have you heard of it, Chris? No. It's a very, very cool book. It's technically a philosophical book if you want to put it into a category, but it's basically about this guy who is on a motorcycle road trip across the country, across the U.S. with his son. And so it's like part storytelling, but it's it's almost like his perspective and also you see his brain like inside his brain with it so he'll be describing the environment around him and then all of us did know go off on a tangent about what was he was thinking at that time when he saw those things and you know i mean it's very cool um but he talks a lot as the title would suggest about this zen perspective and this zen attitude towards things finding the balance of these different things and there was a statement that really resonated with me in one of the chapters of the book and it is if you feel the need to preach something it's because you don't believe it fully yourself and i think it was really interesting because the example he used is i think so simple but so perfectly sums it up do you ever hear anybody preaching that the sun is going to come up tomorrow no you know it's going to happen you trust and know that the sun is going to rise in the east and set in the west it happens we know it happens we don't need to prove it to anybody. Makes me think of like, you know, you see maybe in plays or movies or video games, what have you, you know, the character that is out there standing and they're just preaching to all the people that will listen. And it, it's always that one person that's standing on a soapbox, you know, and it makes you wonder just how much you can believe what it is they're saying if it makes it, it makes me think internally about myself too because I have my things that I will preach about mm-hmm. you know, to other people. So it makes me wonder, like, do I really do I really believe that? Do I really think that to be true for myself? <sighs> Man, that is that's quite the point. Yeah, I always I always think about like I've said this a few times to some people, especially during this past year, where like the question of purpose and you know what do mm-hmm. I believe in has come up quite a lot. But I I always say like. I imagine a future self of mine that truly embodies and believes all these thoughts that I'm starting to have, these thoughts about where do I fit in the industry, uh, you know, I am awesome, like that thought, like I am worthy, I am valuable, I am awesome, and like I believe in the path that I'm on even though I don't have all the answers. If I could get to a place where that is so deeply embedded within me that I don't even need to talk about it or try to get other people's opinion on my life and like, you know, how am I going to fit into all this and does it make sense? Oh, maybe if I write it out this time, it'll make sense to me. But if I can get it below that surface level and inside of me, I will be unstoppable. It won't matter. (laughs) I'll be untouchable because I'll just be... That makes me think of... um... I think it was Matthew McConaughey when he accepted his Oscar. I don't know if it was that speech or if it was a different time, but he he talks about how someone will ask him, you know, who's your hero? And he will say, me in five years. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. And then and then five years later, someone will ask, well, are you, are you your hero now? 
No. No. Well, who's your hero now? Me and seven, you, you know, <laughs> whatever that is. You're always chasing yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think that gets into a lot of the conversations that we've had now about keeping your ego in check, accepting the fact that you have lots to learn. The only way that you're ever going to get to be that person that you're that you look up to five years from now is if you learn in the next five years. I'm going to twist this a, a tiny bit because a thought just came through my brain with it, what I just said. So originally I said preaching something often means you don't believe it, right? I don't think it's the more I've said it in my head and listened to us talk about it, I'm actually going more towards preaching it. It's less about that you don't believe it. It's that you're not comfortable with yourself believing it. Mm. Wow. Which I you're think not, is a you're little not comfortable. Different. You're not comfortable with accepting it. Yes, because them doing that, it, it's not that they don't think it's right, because they do think it's right. It's that they feel alienated for thinking it's right. Boom, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> they feel alienated. I've been trying to get this into out of my head for a minute now. It's they feel alienated by thinking what they're doing is right. So they want other people to join them so they don't feel alienated because their ego doesn't want to be on their own. They want other people to like them. Oosh, 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 yes, oosh, yes. Bombs. I originally was like, I, you know, I really want to start a podcast and I was really considering getting into pop culture stuff because I just, I love pop culture. And Joe was like, you know, I, I haven't been thinking about it too, you know. I did this uh, road trip thing, and me and my friend on the road trip, we were, he had microphones, and we were, like, just talking and seeing what came of it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. Which, side note on that, I just want to describe the setup because it was actually badass. So we were in a truck, right, a Silverado truck. And in the back seats of the truck, we had the full, like, audio bank setup with mics coming out of direct feeds and we had mic arms coming around the outside of our seats coming into us. So literally, we weren't holding mics. We were literally just driving in a portable recording studio. Dude. <laughs> While also camping in national parks. Like, it was so spit. I've seen the photos and it was it was very cool. Um, anyway, carry on. But yeah, we, we originally was like, okay, yeah, let's do... Uh, Let's do a podcast, and Keaton, you're really interested in pop culture, and, you know, me as Joe, I like pop culture things, too. I kind of had this idea of maybe getting into, like, positivity and things like that, but, like, this pop culture thing would be cool, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh, that's a cool idea, actually, positivity, but, and we started going ahead with the whole pop culture idea, and then one day I was like, you know what, there's far too many podcasts about people talking about things like that, like, what if... Because we enjoy talking to each other and we enjoy talking to each other about these kinds of things and about being a good person, a good man, whatever. Like, what if we went with that? Like, tell me more about what you had in mind. And then Joe explained things to me, you know, and, and we both were kind of like, well, we really enjoy catching up with each other. What if it was really just kind of a catch up and we incorporate these kinds of thoughts of positivity, of positive life, positive value? And every once in a while, maybe we bring someone else into the conversation. Sure, awesome. And that's where it went. We, you know, we we were meeting up online once every like two like weeks. Once every other week, yeah. Yeah, once every other week, and 
just kind of having these conversations and we eat beforehand we'd be like well let's give it like you know kind of a, a mentality a, a certain thing that we want to kind of touch on and just see where the conversation goes and whether that was uh, I don't know what are some of the subjects we've talked about uh, we've done uh, like fe- we talked about at Halloween time we talked about fear we've talked about patience we've um, think, things to just spark your brain to look at other things yeah. I think for me Keaton you like explain the backstory on it for me the whole purpose of the podcast was it was two main reasons one was because I enjoyed talking to you and it's fun to catch up and it as, as funny as it sounds it gave us a reason to catch up on a <laughs> on a scheduled yeah. basis instead of it yeah. happened like because we get busy oh it's been like two months since I've spoken to you you know what I mean we got to talk every other week and the other thing was we started it in the middle of the pandemic mm-hmm. or what well, was the middle who knows how long it's going to go so I don't know if we were even like a quarter of the way through what this pandemic is going to be but <laughs> it was like halfway through where we are now and it was a case of there is a lot of bad things going on right now in so many areas so let's try and find the light in those dark areas let's try and like find yeah. little things so my favorite segment of our podcast is the what's filling your cup like tell me yeah. something this week that has been your blessing, has been your go-to thing when you're not in a good mood, what do you do? What is keeping you in a good mood? You know what I mean? Like, let's focus on those things just for an hour or so. Let's focus on the good things instead of all of the bad things. I think my inspiration behind it was some good news. Uh, the John Krasinski YouTube series that he did, like, the, some, that was something that I really... I think needed during this was like a reminder that there are good things still happening. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't address the issues... It's that if all you do is focus on the issues, you're going to drown yourself. You need to take those times to breathe and look at the beautiful things that are happening around you at the same time. I love it. It's, it's a good time. We're, we're definitely not as frequent as we were when we started just because life has started to kick back in for us. But it's something that I really look forward to when we do and we get to spark some interesting conversations with interesting people, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan, obviously. Like, and I, the fact that it's brought the three of us closer is is yeah. pretty amazing. Like, I, I, bonus, yeah. I think it's just like amazing. Like, and when you set an intention and you follow through with it, I just think the possibility is endless. And you guys have proved that to me, you know, just by doing what you do. And so, I guess another question would be like, since putting it into like physical practice, have you sort of started to notice a better understanding of just like dealing with the shit and being more positive and just like yeah more practical absolutely i mean like if you wanted to take it to the most simple level yes because i have to have something to say on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like exactly that's exactly what i was thinking the bare minimum is that once a week or once every other week however often we record it i need to think of something to say that has been keeping me afloat and it's not that i'm making those things up but it makes me acknowledge those things you know and also the things we talk about often will spark me to keep up with certain things or to reinstall certain things into my life and and things like that you know um i actually think i'm gonna like spill the truth here there was one week where i wasn't sure what to say and i said something that i hadn't actually done but immediately after the podcast i started doing it Wow. And, but it was a positive thing. And yeah. so it was like, it was almost like reverse psychology yeah. myself to be like, oh, I said I did that. I have to do it now. <laughs> but it was a positive so you, thing. So you lied to our listeners. <laughs> I lied to you. <laughs> yeah, let me get it straight. No, I, I 100% agree with what you said because for us to 
go through the nuance before an episode of being like, okay, like this week we're going to talk about, you know, patience. And, and me, of course, like as a person, I have my own thoughts about how patient I am and how impatient I am. But in order to have an intellectual conversation about it, maybe I should do a little bit more research. And so I would honestly, I get on and I read literally like psychology things about, you know, what patience is. Or I would listen to some of the actors or celebrities or artists, musicians, whatever, talk about what they think about patience or impatience and... So I would have something to bring to the table. And and I felt like I was learning before the episode and I was able to provide a little bit of education on the episode. And then I was able to listen to what Joe had to say or what our guests had to say as well. All these perspectives just kind of swirled into this amazing concoction, this amazing feast or mm-hmm. delicious smoothie, you might say. <laughs> Um, every every other week, Ooh, that sounds you know, good right now. It does. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. One of the things I know you mentioned this at the very beginning, Chris, about the planning thing, like how you don't necessarily want it to be a scripted thing. You you want this to be a conversation, not an interview. And I love that. And me and Keaton had a very similar conversation of like, all right, do we want to write like notes for this or? And I got to the point what what felt best for me, and I think for us as we learned as we went, is let's have a a like very rough guided bullet point thing but we're good enough friends and we're good enough talkers especially myself because i feel like i don't stop talking half the time but like we, we can talk enough to where we don't need a script for this i don't want it to be scripted i want it to be us having an organic conversation about an organic topic as soon as you start adding the scripted things in, I feel like it doesn't feel as natural to, to us or to the audience either. Yeah. And so I like that you don't necessarily script these things. You have some things, some things jotted down just in case you need an extra spark in there. But if you don't need them, I don't need to look at the notes. I'm only going to pull them if I feel silence or awkward silence. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. And like, I mean, you guys... Your friendship, I feel, can show through. And I don't know if I'm influenced because I know you, but also when I was first listening, I don't know, our relationship was at a sort of primary level. So I feel like your friendship comes through so well that it's so enjoyable to listen to. And it's more about how are we navigating this conversation. And like doing this work has really helped me understand that like a conversation can is is like it's alive almost it has a life to it and like Mm -hmm. when it's sort of being passed between two open vessels like it is on your podcast it's so easy to jump right into that channel i'm really continuing this metaphor right now but it's just so easy to be a part of it and i think that identifying how that conversation can just sort of move and ebb and flow and then also recognizing that like it will come to its end. You know, it will come to a sort of natural close. Let us accept that. And maybe we didn't get to talk about everything that we quote unquote wanted to, but it lasted for as long as it was meant to. And it was beautiful because of that. And that idea from listening through your podcast specifically, and just sort of preparing for today and thinking about podcast journey that we've all been on, like 
what a metaphor for life. It's just so I'm just so happy to hear you guys say how how practical everything you've done has has been for you. How 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 you've implemented these things to real life beyond the podcast because it's all one and the same. Like we mm-hmm. need to That's why we're doing it. It's yeah, man. That's why we're doing it. <laughs> it really is. Like I I, I mean we uh, the, the most recent episode that we did was with my dad, and I freaking love that episode because he is the person that I talk about these things to the most, second to Keaton because of the podcast. But like, he's most of the thoughts and analogies and metaphors and brain river flows that I have going on are because of him, and I talk about these things to him, and I'm beyond grateful for that relationship. Um, and Kian, you got a glimpse of it when we had him on the podcast. Like, he yeah. has some very interesting perspective on these things. And it's it's not even enlightening. It's because it's not that he's trying to enlighten you. And I think that's why it works for me as, as his son and why he's been able to mentor me that way. is because he's not trying to enlighten you. He's trying to get you to enlighten yourself, which is like a, ooh, that was a deep statement. But, like, he's not trying to tell you what he thinks is right. He's getting you to think about these things. Just think about them and let yourself have your own realization and enlightenment on it. He's like, your dad's just a super comforting dude. You know? He's a good man. I'm very yeah. lucky. Yeah. I, I fully acknowledge and I constantly try to acknowledge this as much as I can that I am coming from a privileged standpoint to be able to even say this statement. But I have had an upbringing of very little judgment, if anything, especially from my dad. Whatever I've chosen to do, he's like, all right, yeah, do your thing. You do you. That kind of like, you know, you whatever you want to do, man, I'm with you. I He played sports his whole life growing up. Like, his dad was played sports his whole life. His dad coached him in most of the sports his whole life. I played sports my entire childhood. Like, every sport I could think of, I played. I don't think I could name a sport that I haven't at least played once. But the one sport that he didn't get into that much was football, like English, like everywhere else in the world, not American football. Um, but the, <laughs> he inserted this so many times. Um, that was the one that he didn't really get into that much. And it's the one that I was predominantly playing. But he was still at whatever game he could make. He was coming to watch and blah, blah, blah. I decided I wanted to start dancing. And he was like, oh, that's different. All right. When's your practice? Like, it, you know, there was no judgment there at all and I think that has encouraged me to be open to these things and regardless of what it is just having that openness to like all right if that's what they want to do whether it's a son or father a friend or a significant other doesn't matter the relationship whatever they want to do you should be supportive of it I think one thing that resonates with me that I've had throughout my life is when people are worried about what their friends think and that is a backward statement on its own to me because if they're your friends and they're your real true friends and they actually care about you enough it doesn't matter you know what I mean like it it really shouldn't matter and if they are not willing to be friends with you because of a decision that you've made like what you want to do with your life they weren't worthy of being in that position in the first place the people that really matter are going to be by your side regardless of what you're doing in your life whether you choose to play sports be in theater whether you choose to work or not work whether you're like whatever you identify at regard it none of those things should matter to people who actually care about you because they should care about you and what makes you happy and if any of those things are making you happy that's what they should be supporting 
Yeah, Joe, another thing you said earlier too, which I which I felt in terms of you talking about your podcast, you both had a clear understanding of why you were doing this. You were doing it for a reason. You you not only wanted to spread positivity and, and find this new perspective, but ultimately you wanted to be held accountable to, to be positive in your own life and, and carry it through. And I think that by focusing on that, why am I doing this? Like, it really, I, I don't know, I imagine it sort of quieted all the other bullshit or whatever noise or whatever reasons yeah. you might have had to not do it. One of the things that me and Keaton spoke about, I guess towards the beginning of doing it was, and it comes to the whole thing of doing it for yourself, not for others. You, your reason for doing something, whether it's your career or whatnot, it should be for yourself. So our bottom line was we're doing it because we want to talk to each other about these things. We already have a baseline statement there that the success of the podcast is now irrelevant. It is completely irrelevant because our goal is going to be met regardless of whether one person is listening or a thousand people are listening. And I think that's something that you can kind of take that and apply it to other things in life. You should be doing something in your life that you want to do because then if it's something you want to do, you're accomplishing the goal of doing something regardless of whether people like what you're doing or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think uh, an issue of mine sort of I've moved away from it since having this issue, but it was still very much real in that creating this podcast or at least putting more attention into it and trying to build it up, trying to make it something more. I think naturally I had this thought sort of embed itself in my head, which was I have to make money from this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I have to be something. I have to promote this. I have to make sure tons of people listen so that one day I can make money and like then it will be worth something. And yet every time I have a conversation like the one we're having right now, I'm so filled with joy and passion and light. Like I just want to shoot to the freaking moon right now. You know what I mean? I wish. How many times during this conversation have you thought about the fact that you could make money? Yes, zero. 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 Uh, (laughs) And and I I I'm like fighting, trying to live a life that is like less pressurized. There are so many times where I I mean, and thankfully not recently, but there's so many times where I feel crushed by this pressure. I mean, literally, it's like it's like a weight is on top of me. And it's so yeah. fabricated. Especially this year, I feel like so many people, especially in our industry too, are feeling the pressure, pressurized defeated. so yeah. much. Yeah, defeated. It's some. It's a conversation that I actually had with some of my friends the other day. You know, Katie and I, we were going to be going and doing another contract and on that contract we were then going to start planning this kind of stuff that's happening now and you know the pandemic happened the contract was kaput i had career aspirations with disney cruise line definitely i still have those but there's quite literally nothing that i can do about them right now there's just there just isn't and that took a long time for me to accept that it's completely out of my hands. It's out of my control. No matter how much I try in this time to keep maybe what a certain position I had, a certain level, a certain kind of gravitas towards an advancement in my career, there, there's nothing I can do to maintain that or make it any better at this time. There's just nothing I can do. 
and I did kind of feel that pressure of this, this spiral of like, well, what do I do now? Well, what do I do now? Well, what do I do now? And, you know, I had these conversations with Katie and I just said, you know, so much has been put on pause for me right now in my career and I don't want any of that to have an effect on me and you and have an effect on what we have planned for ourselves. So let's take control of that and the rest will follow and we'll see what happens. And I can't tell you how how freeing it's been for me to just be like, you know, like the money, the career, the this and that, it's fine, it's gonna come. Like, let's get married. We know we wanna get married. Let's get married. Let's do everything that we have to do to be together and to get married and because that's that's a given that's going to happen so let's get that going and you know you talking about trying to live that life of less pressure and stuff I've, I've I feel like I've gone from like on my way to becoming a diamond to like be, becoming, a, <laughs> becoming a diamond in a different way if that makes sense yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm happy I'm so happy and I'm so unconcerned about the career stuff right now. It's gonna come. It will. Yeah. I'll make yeah. something I'll make something happen. Yes. Um so I, I I can empathize with you on your aspirations of, of less pressure. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. But not at all. You know, not at all. You know, you have your own kind of things, Chris, I'm sure that you're feeling pressure on. Yeah, I first of all, Keaton's so ha- like I'm so happy you're finally you know I mean? like, you're beep. finally there. Like you know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. I, I just it wow, it's 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 well deserved this this like release that you feel, I think. And and what I've realized in a lot of this reflection is that most of that pressure, I'm putting it on myself. No one is doing this to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not not anymore. I mean, damn, I'm almost 30. Like, nobody better. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a grown-ass fucking man. You know what I mean? Like, and, and this this is the idea that if we're going to, you know, go sort of backwards and, and say, what is man, what is woman kind of thing, let's just say we're living in that reality. To me, what does it mean to be a man? Ultimately, nothing. But to me, what it means to be a man is what you're doing, Keaton making decisions, clear decisions based on whatever it is that you can control, no matter how small it is, making those decisions, being confident in what you want and moving forward, even though who the fuck knows what's going to come next, you know? And that to me is what being a man is. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I I don't know, man. I have literally spent the past five minutes trying to figure out a word to use for this but I cannot express how grateful I am to be able to surround myself with people like you mm. both of you yeah it yeah. literally uh, I, I, yeah, I still haven't found a word that fully explains how I feel about it but the ability to be able to surround myself with people who care about this shit helps me in my life an inexplainable amount and it just it's so cool so 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 i guess where maybe the question is like where joe are you sort of at in this understanding of just like 
moving forward. I think one more thing that I wanted to say that I ju- that just came to me too is like ultimately that future self that we're all sort of aspiring to be or thinking of or this scary future that we don't have any answers towards, it's like all not real, right? Like it doesn't exist because it's not happening right now. So everything that we think about in the future is really just our own insecurities or doubts or whatever somebody else implanted in there or what a, a myriad of things. But what we have right now is like the three of us, you know what I mean? Like that's that's right now. And like Keaton, the way that you explain it to me, it's so amazing. Like ultimately it's like you're a canvas or building box or whatever it is. It's like you're you're constructing, you're closing your eyes, you're envisioning what does that person five years from now look like? What do they have? Who's next to them? Where are they at? And you're like literally drawing it physically in your life right now. You're building it. Like you're creating it from the present and that is so awesome because there's almost no doubt that you'll get to a point five years from now and you'll be where you're meant to be because you're conscious of of what it is that you want so that's all i gotta say but joe i'm so interested in sort of like where you are now and what that means to you especially after this crazy year and sort of what's coming for you as well yeah so, yeah, I mean, the whole year has been for everyone obviously a whirlwind and a roller coaster and all of those, a roller coaster in a whirlwind and all of these things. Like, it, it has been wild. And I think one of the biggest things that I will take away from that, I, I truly always will try and find at least one or two silver linings in all of these situations as we have to. And one of them is that I've learned that you literally don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't even know I'm in for breakfast tomorrow, so how the hell am I supposed to plan what I'm doing a week from here, a month from here, blah, 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 right? And the pandemic, I think, taught us that you truly have no idea. You have to be just willing to ebb and flow with whatever's going on. And I think I got to a point where I was like, all right, I've accepted that I'm not going back to work for a while. What can I do to either better myself or enrich my life without that? And so I was traveling as much as I can, without going international because I wasn't able to travel internationally. So I was doing road trips to national parks and that was so fulfilling for me. I getting to just be around nature and realize that like all of this shit's happening around the world, but this tree's still standing here. It looks pretty cool. You know what I mean? This waterfall is still flowing down here. I'm going to go and see the waterfall. All of those things were really cool. And it was a very nice, honestly, almost a distraction for me to, to distract myself from the fact that my dream job is now not even in a question for an undetermined amount of time but it was it was kind of funny it came, again you don't know what's going to happen it came out of nowhere I got an email from the Disney casting directors uh, asking me to renew my medical and the way they said it was it's not something that we're offering jobs out right now we don't have anything to offer you guys but anyone whose medical expires this year we're just having you guys renew them so that when the time comes, we don't have to jump through an extra hoop there. And I was like, eh, that makes logical sense to me. I'll go get my medical done. And at the same day that I got my medical, I started a new job, uh, just like serving at a restaurant. Um, so I went and got my medical done in the morning, and then I went to work and started at this restaurant. And uh, the next day, so like my second day at work, I got an email from the same casting <laughs> director saying, hey, you want to start a contract in April? Meanwhile, it's like the end of March right now. And I emailed back and I was like, April is in three days. Can you be any more specific? Like, I don't know how, I'm happy to pick up and move, but like there's a 
some stuff I have to take care of before <laughs> I do so. Um, and so I, you know, I, when I interviewed for the job, they'd asked me about what I do, and I had said the ships, and they asked me how, how it is, and I was like, honestly, I absolutely love it. I feel alive there. I, I love it so much. And he was like, okay. And I was like, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I'm going back. I will be going back. So this isn't a long-term job for me. I'm being straightforward with you, but I don't think I'm going to go back until January. And meanwhile, like three days later, I pull him aside in the office, and I was like, psych. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Living. Um, but they were really cool about it, and they understood. So I'm beyond grateful to be going back. I'm very excited to hopefully pave the way for more entertainment to come back. You know, I, I almost feel a great amount of responsibility going back in this first wave because what we do genuinely is going to be affecting a lot of things. You know, if we mm-hmm. fuck this up, we could be put back another year before we can get back on the ships. You know what I mean? If we do this right and show that it can be done safely under whatever regulations they have, they're going to be more likely to encourage the rest of the fleet to come back at an earlier date or at least on time, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. I do feel a lot of responsibility. I'm very excited, a little nervous because there's so many unknown factors right now. But that's where the, you know, going with the flow and the flexibility of life that I'm trying to incorporate into just everyday stuff is now going to be like really tested because there's going to be things that change on a daily basis or if not an hourly basis, there's going to be rules that are coming in and out and we have to just adapt to them. So I'm very excited, very grateful to be amongst a handful of people going back right now. One of the trainers had reached out to me, had said that uh, she had heard I was going back and was very happy for me. And I was like, honestly, just grateful at the moment. And she was like, that's why you're going back. And that was something that like stopped me in my tracks for a second. You know, I was explaining, you know, whatever we're doing, I'm, I'm grateful. We're going to go out there and set a good path out for everyone else. And she literally responded with, and that's exactly why I put your name forward to go back. And, you know, that hit home. That was a lot for me. It was a, it was a huge compliment for me to hear that there, there is, sure, there's a level of talent that's required there, but there's a lot of people that have the talent. There's more than that that go into these jobs. And the attitude that you show really does make a difference because they want people like that around. Um, and so that was super nice to hear. But, yeah, just excited, man. I'm, I'm leaving in literally four days, five days. I don't know what day of the week it is now. What are we on, two? Well, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's but Tuesday. I leave, I leave in like four or five days. Wow. Um, so there's a lot to get done in like not a lot of time. I am packing and cleaning the house and getting stuff in order. Just this morning or last night, I had an email at 4.55, which was a dick move. Uh, they emailed me and said that they were missing some of my medical documents. And I was like, well, I can't even reply to you now because you did this and then ran out of the office. But in the morning, I called and was like, all right, what do you need? I'm supposed to be flying in five days, and you just told me I'm not approved to fly until I do these things. So, like, let's get a move on. Let's, let's um, go. So wow. it's, it's been like a, a fluster a little, I would say, is a good word for it, just because there's been a lot of things to take care of and not a lot of time. What has been nice is that the company, like Disney, has acknowledged that. They are aware that they're asking a lot from us in not a lot of time. And so they're doing everything they can. They have been very responsive to any questions and emails that we have. The unfortunate thing is just that they don't have a lot of answers for us on a lot of things right now because they're still figuring it out. I think we're very much going to be guinea pigs for this, which, again, I'm grateful to be a guinea pig for it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm just grateful is the biggest word I can use for it. There's a lot going on, and 
we get to go and hopefully bring some happiness out there for a lot of people. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's – I'm so excited for you I think too. Like, And you mentioned this idea of responsibility which is so interesting because like you know, along with your podcast, like – you have the tools to not only, you know, be positive for yourself, but you really do have the tools and an experience of talking with other people and with Keaton and like forming these ideas, jotting down, like rounding them out. Like, I think that you are really in a position of power almost to be that beacon of light and positivity for people because no doubt we we can all assume it's going to be freaking nuts being back there it's mm, it, and people are going to yeah. lose themselves even more than they usually do probably and because yeah. of how challenging it's going to be me, like I, I understand that and i acknowledge that and i i don't think anyone in the right mind expects this to go smooth <laughs> <laughs> like just being straightforward like no one is expecting this to go super smoothly. We know there is going to be speed bumps, but that flexibility and adaptability to go along with those is why I think, or I hope that we have a cast that is going to be able to do that. And I think for me, I think I spoke to you guys briefly about this before, but one of the responsibilities that I'm choosing to put on myself is to try, like you said, be that beacon, but try and be someone that can encourage the rest of the cast to have that mentality. I, I saw a post, I think it was on Instagram the other day, that someone had said, be the reason someone doesn't give up today. And I think that was just a very simple message. But <clears throat> if I can be the reason that a couple of people on the cast don't go insane during these things, hell yeah, you know what I mean? Like, let's do that. I have a bunch of fun games that I'm going to try and play during quarantine with people. And like, we're all going to be isolated in our own cabins. So I have a bunch of things that we're going to try and play via like WhatsApp, get people to you know, do a bunch of random, just little things that are going to keep your brain occupied and not have us go insane when yeah. we're on board. Absolutely in love with this. I'm going to like pull it full, like full circle right now. Cause I think we're all sort of somewhere in the middle of, of all this, like, and Joe's sort of a proving example that, that Keaton is sort of also implementing and I'm just learning from both of you guys. But like, I think that like really what it is, is like, say, you know, say Joe, like for argument's sake, your ultimate goal is to work for DCL. You're slapped in the face with a pandemic, no shot of that happening. Then you guys both make this choice to develop this podcast, which is ultimately meant for you to seek the light out of these dark times of uncertainty and fear and questioning all this bullshit. And by doing that, you're building these blocks within yourself to be more capable of handling life as it comes to you in the present rather than worrying about necessarily worrying about what the future holds. And Look at what, you know, even look at what happened for Joe out of fucking nowhere. You know, we're continuing to get emails. Oh, the crews are suspended. It's not happening. It's not happening until next year, whatever. And like out of nowhere, like, I don't want to say it's not for not like I really I don't necessarily believe everything happens for a reason. But I think that it's hard to deny this like growth almost that you've both been going through. And like now it has sort of manifests itself in a physical job that you wanted a year ago you know what i mean like it just it's just crazy to me man like yeah, it, it's, it really is and i think you you really do get what you put into the universe i truly believe you put out good vibes you're gonna get good vibes back i truly try and live by that and adhere to that and i think it is funny you know like if you look at like you said the full circle i i haven't looked at it that way and i'm glad you opened my eyes to see it like that we've worked on being positive this year and i was told one of the reasons i got this job was because i'm a positive person you know what i mean like talk about full circle this if you wanted to be superstitious or a little stitious about these things like 
just a little, sorry, I had to throw that in there. If you wanted to be a little stitious about these things, like us starting this podcast, it could be the reason that I got this job. You, you know, like those little things can add up to big things. And it's, uh, we keep saying this on our podcast so many times. It's these little, tiny little changes and decisions in your life that make a big difference. You have to start somewhere. You have to start small. But it will snowball. It will get bigger and bigger and bigger until it's something that you can manifest. And you said earlier, you want it to be something where you don't have to think about these things. You just embody these perspectives and these morals and these manifestations are just coming out of you you have to start somewhere that just doesn't just like you don't wake up one morning and be that way you've got to work at these things and i'm grateful to be able to continue to work on these things you know chris like you said you know i don't necessarily believe in everything happening for a reason i have a phrase that's like because i don't either i don't believe that everything happens for a reason but the phrase i have is good things happen for a reason oh i love that you know what I mean? Like Joe was saying, the little things that you do to get to a certain place, you know, like you're going to get there. Like good things are going to happen. Uh, there's a, he's a snooker player. Had this interview one time. Uh, he was winning game, like unstoppable winning games. This is such a random story. No, he's, he's a what? He's a what? A snooker player. Like uh, like a little bit like billiards, but like a little different. Yeah, it's a it's a thing over here, Chris. No, it's snooker. not. <laughs> Okay, so Joe, the yeah, no, you have to the snooker player. I gotta know. (laughs) Okay, so snooker player, right? He's really good at what he does. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, I think his name's Ronnie O'Sullivan. Anyway, irrelevant detail. Uh, He had this interview one time. He was like 16, coming into the professional world of snooker, whatever that's called, and uh, was getting like killing it he was winning against these guys that have been playing for longer than he's been alive and the interviews that he had they were like man you got lucky in that game right like that kind of thing everyone was saying he was just a lucky kid who got a good breakout and after like a couple of years of playing something like that he uh, had this one interview where someone said it again and he just looked at them and said there's only so many times you can call it luck and walked away and it was like a mic drop moment but but what i take away from that is Sure, if someone sees something they think is really good that they can't do, they're going to say you're lucky because they can't do it. So you must be lucky because you can do it because there's no way you can be better than them. That's an ego thing, you know. But it's one of those things where if you manifest the right things, it's not luck that good things come back to you. I truly don't believe that. I think people that put positive things out there, they're attracting those things by, by intention, not by luck. Yes. Yes, I feel like so, yes. snooker player. Snooker all the way, 100. I think like, you know, ultimately what that is, I think is like, you know, we 
we can't understand how we're able to actually get the things that we want in this life. And so we have to justify it by luck and, and like whatever. But if we just like open our minds up to believe that we are capable of all things, then the places we find ourselves in, the positions in life we find ourselves in, won't be so fantastical. They'll be like, yeah, you're goddamn right I'm here, you know? Like... (laughs) Uh, you know, and I just, I, uh, I just love you boys so much. I mean, this was beyond anything I could have imagined, and uh, I'm just so excited for both. I'm excited for us all. Like, but, but yes. truly, I think we I all know, yeah. are embracing this really big shift, and I think that that's what it's all about. And I'm just like so, like you said, Judge, just so grateful for you guys so much. I love you. Thank you. Love Thank you for having us, man. Let's talk very soon. Let's talk very, very soon. And good luck with yes, everything. I love and, you. Thank you again. Be well. Love you. See you, boys. Peace. Bye. Yes, indeed, we made it. That was just fun. I got to be honest, it was so awesome having a third person in the chat. I think it really filled out the conversation. Always having a point of view to listen to, it created ideas more organically, and it was honestly just so much fun. I hope that came through. It's pretty incredible what having a conversation about positivity can do for your mindset. Those gents are honestly two of the happiest people I know. Not because shit doesn't go wrong in their life. Not because they don't feel disappointment or experience fear or failure or loss. But because they choose happiness. They envision the life they want, take control of the things they can, and make it happen always moving forward despite what's going on around them. When I was chatting with them, all I could feel was that positive light. And to know we created that because of our conversation, well, it made it feel more possible. Simple, almost. Also quickly, I had the pleasure of joining Joe and Keaton on episode 5 of their podcast, so make sure you check that out as well. They're streaming everywhere, and again, the name is The Glass Half Fools. That's F-O-O-L-S. Let me know what you think. Thanks again for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, write comments and reviews, and share with friends and family. The best place to reach me is on Instagram, at Sharon Feelings. Message me anytime. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Share.